Y'all live. Uh, it's good to see you today. Welcome to Living Hope Christian Center. I just want to, first of all, say hello to my big papa. Dad, can you just raise your hand there? This is my father, one of the best men that I know in this world. And I'm so thankful to God for him in my life. Father, today as we come before you, we ask that you would open the eyes of our heart that we might know you better, God. Father, we pray that you would unveil our eyes to see the way that you see to value our lives the way that you value them, God. Lord God, to allow you to break off every poverty mentality that we have clung to, God, that has kept us back from fully possessing and thriving in the inheritance that is rightfully ours in Christ. We love you, Lord. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, two weeks ago, my wife and I started cleaning out our closet. And um, it's brought up a lot of emotions, cleaning up the closet. Because in it, it was packed. Both my wife's and my side was packed with clothes. Her side was packed so much that you can't even stick another hanger on it. And mine was packed the same, but only half of it was mine. The rest was hers, right? So she had like one and a half sides. And she kept telling me, babe, we got to go through our clothes. We got to get rid of stuff. We got to get rid of stuff. But while she was telling me this, there's that little voice inside that says, no. Right? Stuff that you, I haven't even wore for years. I mean, there was stuff on her side too, because I would always get on the defensive when she said, babe, we got to clean out our stuff. I'm like, well, why don't you clean out your closet? And the half that's on my side too. Right? You got stuff I haven't even seen you wear in like the last five years that I've known you, babe. Come on. And she's like, no, babe, we got to do it together. And that, that part, no. And so finally we got down to it two weeks ago. We started, you know, pulling stuff off the rack. And, you know, there was stuff there that, you know, Pastor Benjamin gave me some, some nice pants that, you know, in the back of my head, I was hoping. I was like, all right, in a year from now, I'm going to lose like five or ten pounds, right? So I'm going to be able to fit this 34 waist, right? So there was those things like that that was just like reaching. And I was just, oh, I got to take it away, throw it away. And pretty soon, like, we, we packed everything on, on our bed. And there was a huge stack, like a huge pile of clothes. Like I took a picture of it, right? And I was just like, man, all right, it's fall cleaning, right? It's a new season. We're going. And as I was looking at those clothes, God began to take me back over my year. And he began to, to take me back over this past year, 2013, and towards the end of 2012, and began to show me how he began to transform my way of thinking. And every part of me that was dying because I'm having to give away stuff that I don't even wear, right? Every part of me that's like, but I'm losing something. I'm, I'm going to have to, it's not going to be in my closet anymore. God began to speak to me and say, Joseph, you're thinking with a poverty mentality. And that's what I've been dealing with this whole year with you. And I'm like, but God, they're nice clothes, right? They're nice. I mean, I may not wear them, but they're still really nice. And God kept just pointing to this. See, there's still roots of your heart that are planted in poverty. And I'm like, okay, God, you got you to gotta break it down because like, it's not really making sense. And so the Lord began to take me back this past year. You know, it took me back to 2012 at the end of the year where I started thinking about um, getting out of debt, right? I've been sharing with you my story, my wife and I's journey of getting out of debt and how we've been fighting, right? A couple weeks ago, we paid off our car. Praise Jesus. But before this time, I, it wasn't even a thought, right? The first three years of our marriage, can I walk you on a little journey with me? All right. First three years of our marriage, we're just like making it, right? Paycheck to paycheck. I'm thinking, Lord Jesus, I might, this was my prayer. God, grow our church so I could get paid more. <laughs> but isn't 
that how most of us think? Right? God, grow our business. God, grow my business so that way the boss will see how hard I'm working and he'll, he'll pay me a little bit more. God, grow my family's income so that way we can get a little bit nicer things. And God began to take me back to, to looking at my life in this way where I didn't even actually think about finance as much. You know, part of it was thinking that, okay, well, God's my provider, so he's always going to take care of me. And that's a healthy way of thinking, correct? God is my source. That's a good way of thinking. But then God began to, to, to ask me questions in my heart, like, like, well, what about your kids? And I, I got super spiritual. I was like, Jesus, you're all they need. And that sounds good to me, but when my kids, hey, pops, what'd you leave for me? I left you Jesus. I mean, come on. You're going to be like, oh, you got me. That's not even right, dad. And God began to, to, to hit little areas of thinking like that where I began to think, well, what really do I have to give away? What really do I have to leave? And so God began to, you know, hit certain ways of my thinking. I started reading passages like, you know, the righteous in the store, storehouse of the righteous. There's oil and there's wine. Look at my refrigerator. There's crickets, right? You start reading these stories like the righteous leave their inheritance for their children's children. Not even their children, but their grandchildren. I mean, that's deep right there, right? And God began to show me just, I mean, See, this all came from me just trying to pile up some old clothes that I didn't need, right? God was getting deep with me and began to take me back to thinking about Joseph. There's so many areas of your life where you think in poverty. So many areas of your life where I've blessed you abundantly, but you think and live in poverty. We're going to talk about this today because for me, it radically rocked my world. And as I begin to, to journey on 2013, me and my wife begin to have some deep discussions, right? Part of the things that I started talking about with her was how really are we going to live 20 years from now? What type of legacy are we going to live for our future generation and the generations to come after it? See, before I was never even thinking like that. I was only thinking about, hey, we got food tonight. Let's go eat some pizza. Cool. All right, we, we got some money for dinner tonight. We got some. We can pay our bills this month. All right, good. We're taken care of. But pretty soon, certain thoughts like, well, what about my grandkids' grandkids? What about my grandkids' grandkids' grandkids? Is that my concern or is it not? Should I be thinking about that or should I not? And God began to really hit my thought process in a way that it radically shook me. And even last night as I'm preparing, I looked at my wife and I said, babe, I feel like God's rocking me. She's like, what you talking about? I was like, my whole way of thinking, I feel like it's being turned upside down, and it's extremely uncomfortable. Extremely uncomfortable. She's like, well, keep going, babe. <laughs> and I want to take you to, to a parable in Scripture that radically rocked my world throughout this last year. A parable I believe many of you are familiar with, a parable that Pastor Benjamin preached on last year about when it came to stewarding finances, is the parable of the talents. We're going to look there in Matthew Chapter 25, starting in verse 14. I'm going to share with you a little bit, and then we'll read some of it. The parable starts off, there's a man, and he's getting ready to go on a journey. And he's a rich man. And he calls his servants to him, and he begins to entrust his wealth to them. Now get this, it's not the servant's wealth. Whose wealth is it? The man, the master, who's getting ready to go on the journey. So this man, he gets his wealth, and he calls three servants to them. And the Bible says that he entrusted his wealth to them according to their ability. Now, I want you to recognize that because it doesn't say he entrusts wealth to them according to their value, but according to their ability. 
Okay, let's begin. Starting in verse 15. To one he gave five bags of gold, or five talents, to another two bags, and to, one, and to another one, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Now, real quick, we're going to stop. The NIV translates it, it bags of gold. And it makes a little bit more sense than a talent. Because when you think about the idea of talent, which it really was, but when you think about a talent, at least when I thought about it, you think about a coin. But do you know how much one of those talents was worth? One coin, I mean, you're thinking like 25 cents, right? Like, hey, he gave him like five, 25 cents, quarters, it's cool, right? Nice, dollar 25. No, one talent was worth 20 years wages. So this man is entrusting tens of thousands of dollars to each of these servants. One, he gives five. One, he gives two. One, he gives one. Then he goes on. It says, and he continues on his journey. So also the one, okay, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, you good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to make you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Another version says, you've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to make you ruler. Or I'm going to make you master of much. His master, the man went with the two bags of gold also came. He said, master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the one who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that a harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would receive, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from them. And throw the worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This last year I've been reading this and just thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And God began to show me through this this, this parable of the talents that there's a couple of a major mentalities that came out. One of them was that one servant believed he was powerless. The one servant believed he was powerless. The other two believed they were powerful. Now, how does that play out? What do you, you may be saying, well, how does that make sense? How, how does he think he was powerless? When he's confronted with what he didn't do, who does he, t- who does he blame? Who does he look to? Master, I knew you. Master, you gather where you have not sown. He immediately shook the responsibility. He immediately shook the ownership for his actions to blame and shift it upon the master who he felt viewed him 
in a negative view. And I believe that it wasn't just his fear of the master. I believe ultimately it was a stem from his lack of value of himself. I believe that he didn't see what the master saw. When he looked at his eyes, he saw one talent. But he saw the other one had five and the other one had two. But he saw this measly one in his own eyes. I got one. Man, this dude's going to come back and he's going to take it away from me. I'm going to just bury this mess. I'm not going to do nothing with it. Whereas the other two, I believe their attitude was one of, he entrusted me with two talents. He took his money. He trusted me with five talents. Man, I got to make something happen with this. If he thinks I'm valuable enough to have this and he trusts in my ability to be able to make it work, man, I got to do something with it. And their sense of value, their sense of worth, and their sense of seeing themselves from the eyes of the master in a positive light, it caused them to action. They didn't say, I'm going to wait for him to come back and see what happens. They said, I'm going to take this, and I'm going to make it work. I'm going to take this, and I'm going to make it happen. And God began to show me. You know, because when I read this story, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm one of those five. I'm one of those two, right? I, 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 I'm working for the church. I'm giving everything for Jesus. I'm not making a lot of money, and I'm, I'm still serving God. And God began to show me, in a lot of areas, Joseph, you're like that guy with one. I was like, hold up, God. Hey, you cut me deep, Shrek. Right? What are you talking about, Lord? Joseph, have I ever blessed you with something financially and you didn't make it work? You just spent it. Why are you talking about my paycheck like that, God? Right? But I got bills to pay, Lord. I got bills to pay. Joseph, have I ever poured out spiritual blessings in your lives or gifts of the Spirit over your life? And rather than allowing them to flow from you, you kind of just took it and you didn't want to share it with anybody? Joseph, have I ever given you something to testify about? Areas of your life where I brought joy into your heart. And rather than going to someone and releasing that joy over their life or going into your work and saying, hey, you're downcast, let me tell you something that God did in my life. Or, hey, I got a positive story to share with you. You kind of just took it and left it to yourself and went about your work day and went about your relationship. Joseph, you're like that guy with one. Nah, God, no. In the area of finances. Joseph, you're making enough with the church, right? Yeah. You're making enough to pay your bills, right? Yeah. Your wife's making a little bit too? Yeah. Is it getting bigger or is it getting smaller after it comes to you? Well, I mean, it hits here and then goes down to zero, God. So it's not getting bigger. Uh, No, I guess not. You're like that guy with one. And God began to show me in my areas of my life where I was thinking with this mentality of powerlessness. In my marriage, God, this wife that you gave me, right? Lord, if she just changed, if she just understood me better, then we would argue less. That's all that needs to happen. She just needs to know me better, God. Joseph, you're thinking like that one. How does that even make sense, God? You're waiting for her to change. Before you feel empowered to change. I've given you my spirit, right? Yeah, but, but that's just like at church, God. You know, it feels good when I'm worshiping. Well, I've given you the ability to govern your soul and your emotions, right? Yeah, God, but that's at church, right? When the anointing's there and the Holy Spirit's powerful and I feel it. That's when I feel it, God. Well, the Bible says that the man that doesn't govern his soul, his soul it's like a man who's, with a city whose walls are broken down, Joseph. 
And when a city's walls are broken down, that city's probably in poverty, Joseph. And it's vulnerable, Joseph, to be destroyed and to be attacked and and to be hurt. Joseph, when you're saying it's your wife who needs to change, and you're not acting as if I gave you my spirit that rose my son from the dead, and you're saying that you can't walk in self-control, you're not walking, walking with a wealth mentality. You're not walking with a royalty mentality. You're not walking like a prince who's been seated in heavenly places. You're walking like somebody who's blaming the government for all their problems. You're walking like someone who's blaming the educational system for why you're so ignorant. You're, you're, you're walking like someone who's blaming their boss for not giving them a pay raise, Joseph. What, God? This is ridiculous. God, you're trying to play my emotions. And the Lord began to reveal these areas of my life where I felt completely powerless. But God, we keep arguing. Well, Joseph, do something about it. Well, like what, God? Okay, God, I just pray that you change my wife. Lord God, that you renew her mind, that you give her mercy and patience and understanding. You can pray that all you want, but until you stop acting the way that you're acting, she's going to keep reacting the way that she's reacting. Dang it. So you're saying that I'm more than a conqueror in this area too, God? Yes. You're saying that the same power that rose Christ from the dead is living inside of me, not just to raise somebody else from the dead, but to change my attitude, God? Yes. You're saying that I've been given the joy, peace, patience of the spirit, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control? Yes. That's my inheritance? Yes. You're saying I can, I can live that out? Yes. Well, why am I not? Because you're thinking like you're poor. You're thinking like it's not yours. You're thinking like it doesn't belong to you. You're thinking like it's not your possession. You're thinking not as one who's been seated with me, but as one who's being oppressed by others. And God began to over this year. And so, you know, first thing we saw was like, all right, well, I'm making it paycheck to paycheck. Something needs to change here, God. Because for me, the big area was the finances. Well, it's debt. And so I said, all right, God, something needs to change. And God said, well, what are you going to do about it? It's like, well, I'm going to pray. That's cool. What else? I'm going to pray harder and fast. That's cool. What else? Um, I guess maybe get another job or something, God. Hey, that's a good idea. But, but hold on. I'm going to be serving my whole life for you. What, you can't serve me working another job? But God, hold on, God. Because like, this is going to take away time for ministry. What, you can't minister at the new place that I'm going to give you? Well, you... Well, <laughs> So I began to pray, began to think about it. All right, Lord, well, something has to change in my thinking. I, I don't know how to make money. Oh, you don't have hands to work? Talking to me? I mean, doesn't my word say, Lord, establish the work of my hands? D- doesn't Solomon say in Ecclesiastes, work hard during the day and at night don't let your hands be at rest because you don't know which one's going to prosper? He's talking about how dual jobs there. Doesn't, doesn't Ecclesiastes say, put your investments in seven things? Yes, even eight, because you don't know which one the Lord's going to bless. Hold on, God. I never heard that before. I never heard that preached. I never heard that in the Bible. Well, let me show you where it's at, son. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Dang it. My lack of understanding of what it actually means to rule as a child of God, of what it actually means to be seated in heavenly places, led me to constantly perpetuate patterns of poverty in my life. Proverbs says it this way in Proverbs 28, verse 16. A ruler who lacks understanding is a great oppressor. But he who hates covetousness will prolong his days. Joseph, 
you're living like a ruler who has no understanding. What are you talking about, God? You've been seated with me in heavenly places, right? Yeah, that's a good promise, God. I remember that one. In John, it says that you've been given the right to be called the child of God, doesn't it? Yeah. I own the cattle on a thousand hills, don't I? Yes. I bless you with every spiritual blessing that's in Christ Jesus, correct? Yeah. Well, Joseph, if you're a part of my lineage, that means everything that's mine is yours. If I'm the king of kings and the Lord of lords and the ruler over all the earth and you're in me, as Paul says, you've been seated, you've been seated with him, but you've been placed in him. If you're in me, you're actually meant to take part of who I am and partake. I mean, Joseph, doesn't Paul say in Romans chapter eight that you're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ? Yeah, God, you've been lacking understanding in this. You don't realize that you have power to change. You have power to bring about change. You don't just have a power to sit down and look at others to make change and wait in expectation that they'll bring about change in your life. You have the power and the authority to create the way that I do and to make things the way that I do. You have the power to be a mover and shaker and stop looking for others to move and shake your life until it's shaken into the better. God began to break down my understanding, but break down the areas of my life where I was thinking is someone who's constantly a victim. Where I was thinking like someone, well, if my dad was rich, then I would have been rich. Well, if dad would have taught me this, then I would have learned it. One of the big errors was in my marriage. And me and my dad were talking one day and, and he was sharing mad at me. Oh, I did the best I could. And I said, man, dad, you're a great father. You're a great father. So you don't got to apologize for nothing, Right. And he's like, I know, but, you know, different stuff. And I said, yeah, I said, I'm still learning. I said, you know, one thing, I always saw you as an amazing father, but I didn't get to see you as a husband, right? And we had talked about that, and my brother was sharing, that's not an excuse. <laughs> All right, my brother, he's, he, he's pretty straightforward at times, right? He likes to say, keep saying things the way they are. And I was like, darn right. When I got married, I couldn't go to my wife. Sorry, babe, I didn't see what a good husband's supposed to be like. Right? I didn't see what a good husband's supposed to be like. I can't listen to you. I didn't see what a good husband's supposed to be like. I can't empathize with you. I didn't see what a good husband's supposed to be. You ain't got no excuse. Just because you lack understanding in a certain area doesn't mean that you can't gain understanding in that area. Doesn't mean because you you were taught you weren't taught something doesn't mean you can't learn how to be taught it. You as a child of God have to seek the father's heart. Lord, where have you blessed me with riches? Where have you blessed me with these things? God, where have you poured this out into my life? Lord, how do you want me to think in this certain area? Because you've grown up a certain way. Your background says you're a certain thing. Your your culture says to act or to think a certain way. But when you come into the kingdom of God, when you enter into his divine lineage, you are now a child of divine right and you're meant to look and think like him. See, God had to shatter Abraham's way of thinking as he blessed him. In Genesis 12, Abraham, God told him, Abraham, I want you to leave your country and leave your father's household. Why leave his father's household? Because Abraham, I'm going to bless you in a way that your father was never blessed. Amen. Now, I'm not saying cut off your family because he took his family with him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and matter of fact, all nations were meant to be blessed through him. But you're going to have to think in a way that your father didn't teach you. Abraham, you're going to have to see things in a way that you never saw them. Your mind's going to have to be blown open. You're going to feel like your brain is on the floor. And I'm going to pick it back up, rearrange it all nice, and put it back in. 
Leave your father's household because you're going to experience things that you never experienced in your father's household. Now, is that to smash on the generation that was before us? No. It's to build upon it and say thank you for all the hard work, the effort, the energy, everything that you knew how to do. You did it and you did the best you could. And now together we're going to build something greater for the future. Now together, we're going to leave something great for our family. Now together, we're going to leave something great, Dad, for your grandkids and for my kids and for my grandkids and for your great-grandkids. Just because you lack understanding doesn't mean that you have to become oppressive. Because what tends to happen when we lack understanding, when we remain with a poverty mentality or a type of ignorant mentality in certain areas of our life, we not only become oppressive to people, we become oppressive primarily to ourselves. You limit yourself. You don't take risks that God's pushing you out to take because you're afraid of failing. You don't step out and do new things because you're afraid of how you're going to look. You don't step out because you've never maybe seen somebody else do it. But because you lack the understanding that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength, you may cower towards the back. And I've done it on myself. The biggest thing I had to confront in starting that second job was fear. I've never done this before. God, I've never seen you bless this way before in my life. Yeah. God, every time I went on a mission trip, took $10,000 one year, what, five mission trips I went on. God, you provided. Yeah, it was good for that season, son. Now it's a time to grow up. Wow, and this is how I'm going to do it. But God, I've never seen you do it this way. That's cool. Amen. Let me show you how I'm going to do it. Yeah. Come walk with me. Mm-hmm. Let's reason together. God, he has to break certain things off our mind. He has to bring understanding in certain ways. And sometimes it's extremely painful. And sometimes it's extremely scary. And sometimes we want to push it. We want to blame other people and say, well, if this would have happened, if that would have happened, then I wouldn't be here. God's saying, it doesn't matter. What are you going to do right now? Stop complaining about what happened back then. Stop complaining about what's happening even now. And start looking ahead to what you're going to do with what I want to give you. You see, one of the biggest things that God revealed to me in that sense of powerlessness was when you're powerless, you're only thinking about what's happening right in front of you. You're not thinking about inheritance. You're not, when you're not thinking about two, two years from now or 10 years from now or 20 years from now, you're thinking, can I make it this month? Right? Can I make it this month? What do I got to move around? What do I got to rearrange? What do I have to, where do I have to borrow? Where do I have to not eat? What do I have, what bill do I have to push off to the side? But when you're walking in power, powerful, powerfully, when you're walking with that sense of inheritance, you're saying, okay, God, how are you desiring to establish the work of my hands so I can gain wealth? Not just financial wealth, but wealth in my emotions. Wealth in my thoughts. Wealth in my physical body. God, how are you wanting to establish the work of my hands? God's wanting to take us from a poverty mentality to a royalty mentality. From, prop, from pauper to prince or princess. Another major area that God began to show me this was in the area of food. <laughs> Pastor Benjamin talked a lot about it a couple times when, when he was sharing it. You know, I got some of the same issues. Right? When you see food, you just want to eat it. Right? You just want to jump on it. Right? I, there, for me, there's something a little different about me. I have this weird desire to rub food all over my body. I don't, I don't, I don't know where it came from. I don't know how it got there. I just do. All right? When I taste something good, I just want to like, take a shower in it. Because right? it's just so amazing. Can I just be real? 
But I've realized that some of that stemmed from a poverty mentality. You know, when I was in Indonesia, we were, I was there for two and a half months, and, and we were in, I was in refugee camps. And, you know, there's kids here that don't get milk. They don't get snacks all the time. And there was a, a time, a couple times, where we bring, like, a case of milk, and we're standing on, you know, the truck bed, and you have all these kids come. And I'm watching, so I can see the little kids. You know, they're small. And we give a milk to one, right? And so they grab it, and then I would keep my eye on some of them. Because two seconds later, they take a couple steps back, and then they would stuff it in their shorts, and then they find another spot in the circle, and then they lift up their hand. And in my head, I'm thinking, you little fake old kid. Like, you just got one carton of milk, man. Why are you trying to be shady, right? And honestly, like, I would judge them. I would judge. I was like, man, you little, man, you like, can't be taken, trying to steal. And heck, a shady, that kid didn't get no milk. And you got like five in your underwear, man. That's not right. And God began to take me to times in my family where me and my brothers would fight over the fried chicken, right, Jeremiah? Right? Trying to get as much as we can. Why? Because in our heart, we didn't know how long it would last. But that's the mentality of someone who's impoverished. These children are fighting and reaching for these little cartons of milk and trying to stash them away as long as they can. What are they doing? They're hoarding it. Because they're afraid that one day it's going to run out. They're afraid that in two minutes after they drink that first carton, it's gone. And I have no idea when a carton of milk is ever going to come back into my sight. And God began to show me in my life where I would do that. Again, emotionally, where I'm excited and I'm happy. I'm not going to go hang out with that person because they're going to drain me, right? What are you doing? In one sense, you're hoarding your emotional joy. Well, I got peace after church. Cool. Well, I'm going to just go home and relax with my family. I don't want to go nowhere. I don't want to be around nobody. It's going to ruin this peace. I want to start off my Monday in peace, right? When you walk at work, you're like, okay, I got to avoid this person. They're going to try to rob my peace. Got to rob this person. And you even tell people that too. I ain't going to let you steal my joy. You're hoarding it. It's a poverty mentality. Well, it's going to run out. But someone that's a prince knows their source. Someone that's a princess knows her source. And they understand that their source never runs dry. They understand that they got rivers of life flowing in their bellies. They understand that that well cannot be tapped. They understand that the spirit of God, from the spirit of God flows life in every sense of the way. And when when the spirit of God comes and he moves and his life flows, it cannot be relinquished. It cannot be diminished. It cannot be vanquished. It cannot be extinguished. Someone with a prince mentality says, okay, God, I gave that joy to that person. Give me some more. All right, God, I released that peace over that person. Give me some more. Okay, God, I blessed that person with comfort. Now give me some more, God. A poverty, someone with a poverty mentality, a pauper mentality saying, hold on, comfort me first. And they won't reach out their hand to comfort someone else unless in their eyes that person seems of less value or of less circumstance than them. I'm only going to help people that are worse off for me. Those other people, they don't deserve it. How do you know? Because you see on the surface, you don't know what they're going through in their heart. Who cares what their pocketbook says? You don't know what's going through, what they're going through in their family. But someone of a royal mentality looks beyond all that and says, I got plenty for everyone. I got plenty for everyone. They're like that secret Santa Claus who's walking around with $100 bills and say, $100 bills, y'all. Who wants one? You got some? And he gives them to people that look poor. He gives them to people that look rich. Why? Because he knows his source. He knows his source is not running low. And he has the ability to. Yeah, yeah. He's an extravagant giver. Yeah. 
Someone who walks in royalty is an extravagant giver in every way. But someone who walks in poverty, they're they're a hoarder. They want to constantly keep and they want to protect it. Hold on. We got to protect this. I got to survive because I don't know when the next time is that I'm going to have this type of food. I don't know when the next time is where God's going to bless me with this type of peace. I don't know when the next time is where I'm going to experience this type of joy in my life. I don't know when the next time is that my marriage is going to be at least not, you know, in shambles and it's at least okay. I don't know when the next time is, so I don't want to give this away. You know, when you look at Christ and Paul speaking of Christ in Philippians chapter 2, he says, being in very nature God He didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. He is God himself. He knew who he was. He knew his abundance. He knew his royal lineage. He knew everything that was his. And because he did, because he recognized his value, he was able to say, I'm laying certain things down for the sake of people that don't yet realize their value. And Paul speaks about this. And he first talks about it in Philippians 1. Before he challenges the believers to think the same way, he shares his own experience. In Philippians chapter 1, he says, you know, I'm in change right now for the gospel, right? But what's happened to me has actually worked out for my benefit. And the benefit for those who are believers around me in the prison cells. And believers who are in this house by which I'm I'm a prisoner. Hold up, Paul. You're in prison. You might die tomorrow and you're here look, talking about how your chains benefit people who are inside of the house and watching you? Yeah. That's pretty crazy. And he begins to say, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Like, man, I want to die. I mean, you ever heard somebody talk like that? I'm talking about someone in their right mind, right? <laughs> but Paul, he was like, I'd rather die and be with Jesus. I mean, for here, I'm suffering, I'm being beat, I'm being rejected, I'm being outcast. I got enemies within the church, and I got enemies without the church. I got animals trying to eat me, I got people trying to rip me apart. I got people lying on me, I got people chasing me. I have to get let down in a basket. But, for your sake, it's better for me to be here. Royalty. He had a royalty mentality. He said, I know what I have. I know what I possess, and you don't yet know it yet. You don't yet know that you also have that. And so it's better for me to remain here to help you understand what your value is in Christ and what you possess in him. It's better for me to be here until you fully understand it. So I'm going to be willing to lay down my personal freedoms. I'm going to be willing to lay down my personal privileges for your sake. Someone who has... A royalty mentality, they're constantly thinking of how they can give extravagantly. Amen. Going back to the parable of the talents, you see these two young, these two men or two servants who were given the two and were given the five. Yeah. You see, in their minds and in their hearts, I just believe they thought they were royalty. They believed that they were meant to rule. Yeah. They believed that no matter what was entrusted to them, they're going to make it greater. They believed that no matter who gave them something or how much they gave them, it was going to be multiplied. They refused to hoard it. And as a result, the actions of the master lined it up with their way of believing. I just believe in their heart. They think, man, I can do what the master does. But they didn't judge him. And they didn't try to take his position. 
But they said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to show it by giving what has been given to me, by taking what has been given to me and putting it to work. And when they did that, the master was just waiting. He was just waiting. He was waiting for them to step up and to be able to do that. I mean, he wanted to give them wealth. He wanted to give them things that he had. He wanted them to experience what he himself was experiencing. Yeah, I can go on a journey and just leave like millions of dollars to my servants. I want you guys to experience that too. That's the way the master was thinking. And I believe in their hearts and minds, that's the way they thought. So when the master took it back, it was, oh, it's cool. I'm giving it to you. Not, I knew you were going to take it back from me. They realized that it was the sources anyways, never theirs. When God takes something from your life, man, God, I knew you were hard. Why you want to let me have that promotion for one year? God, I knew you were going to take it back. Or God, hey, you must have something greater for me. God, you must have another place that you want me to rule in. God, you may have more talents in another area of life that you want me to multiply in. Hey, I'm down, God. Wherever you want to take me, I'm going to multiply. Someone with the royalty mentality thinks in such a way. And so this year, we begin to think. This year, I begin to get rocked in my way of thinking. And how many times and how many areas that I've thought with the poverty mentality. And so when I look back at those pile of clothes... At the end of it, I was able to say, you know what? These clothes are going to bless somebody. Amen. And they're not just janky clothes. Right? My pops taught me, if you're going to give something, you better give something good. <laughs> he taught me so good. One time in high school, he bought me some new shoes. And I saw someone on the street, and I gave it to them. I came home. He's like, boy, where's your shoes at? Hey, Dad, I blessed somebody with them. You what? Well, Dad, you told me to give good things. Yeah, but good things that are yours. I bought those shoes for you. I work for that money, right? (laughs) But God does want to bring us to a place where we do that. Where we realize, yeah, the shoes ain't going to stop flowing. The shoes ain't going to stop flowing. What God's pouring into my life, he's meaning for me to give it away. Not foolishly, not squander it, but it's investment. It's investment. I asked my dad, hey, dad, you got any stocks or investments? He says, yeah, my kids. That was one of the deepest things I ever heard because that's what Proverbs says. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full. That's the greatest investment that you can pour in to the next generation. The greatest investment you can give is teaching them, walking with them, bringing understanding to them so that way they can be blessed and their offspring can be blessed and the offspring after them can be blessed. A royal mentality is looking for ways to invest what God has invested in him or in her. This year, God's breaking the poverty mentality over our church. He's breaking the poverty mentality over our marriages. He's breaking the poverty mentality over our education, over our vocations. He's breaking the poverty mentality over our families. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what your past says. It doesn't matter what your history has said. Your future is determined by the royal king of royal kings. Your future is determined by God Almighty. And it's in his hands. And he's wanting to walk with you and reveal more to you. And he's wanting to bless you so that you can be a blessing to all nations. And that's who we're going to be. 
as a people, that's who you're going to be as a son. That's who you're going to be as a daughter. That's who you're going to be as a husband and a wife and a brother and a sister. We as a body are moving there together. It's time to allow that, allow that poverty mentality to break off of us. It's time to embrace the possession, not only the physical, but the spiritual possessions that God has blessed us with. So we can truly unleash the heavenly resources that God has desired to release through us, his church. You have been determined by God to release heavenly resources here on earth. When we pray for the sick and they're healed, you're releasing heavenly resources. When you're praying for someone who's depressed and discouraged, you're releasing heavenly resources. When you're releasing a business idea to somebody on your job or helping them give new faith and new hope for their marriage, you are releasing heavenly resources. And that's who we are meant to be. And that's who we are going to be. Come on, stand on your feet. I want you to lift up your hands to the Lord. Heavenly Father, right now we pray that you would awaken our hearts and you would awaken our minds to see to see what you have blessed us with, God. Heavenly Father, right now, we pray that you would shatter. Come on, that you would shatter. I want you to intercede. We're going to intercede for the house right now. God, that you would begin to shatter the poverty mentality in our lives, God. Things that have kept our relationships broken, God. Ways of thinking that have kept us in poverty, Lord God. Father, in our marriages, in our relationships, in our communities, Father. Lord, ways of thinking that has kept us bound to the past, Lord God. Past hurts and past things that have been done to us, Father remove that sense of powerlessness right now God in the name of Jesus Father remove it remove it remove it God there's hands here that you are wanting to bless the work there is hands here that you're wanting to bless the work of some of you God's calling you to take more risk in certain areas some of you God's calling you to take more risk in certain areas areas where you felt powerless Areas where you felt inadequate. Father God, we just declare breaking that right now in Jesus' name. You're breaking it right now in the name of your son, Jesus. God, areas where we've hoarded. Some of you, God, is just, man, he's lavished you with things. He's lavished you. He's lavished you with love. He's lavished you with peace. He's lavished you with wisdom and understanding. You see, as a young boy, I I go to others. I would go to others and and ask them for wisdom. And I would sit at their feet and ask them for a dollar. But as you you mature, it's time now for you to take the seat where you're giving the wisdom. It's time for you now to take the seat where you're giving the dollar for arcade games. Or the $5 so they can go buy something. Or the $100 so they can get a new pair of kicks. Someone who walks with a royalty mentality... They're not constantly waiting to be blessed and waiting to receive. They're now looking to give. They're now looking to invest. Heavenly Father, this morning, I pray that you would begin to open our eyes and our hearts. Come on, I just believe there's some here right now that God, this has just resonated so powerfully in your heart. And I believe that today God's wanting to to break this poverty mentality. Some of you, it has been on your job. You're constantly blaming and you're constantly thinking that others need to change in order for you to move up. And God's saying, no, I want to bless the work of your hands. I want to expand your way of thinking. You're just looking for a pay raise. I'm looking to make you the manager. Some of you, it's your marriage and you're just waiting for that other person to change and saying, God, once they change, everything will get better. And God's saying, I'm waiting for you to speak vision over your marriage. 
I'm waiting for you to speak life over your spouse. Come on, if that's you, I want you just to come up here to the front. Come on, there's going to be a breaking today. If you're willing to receive it, there's going to be a breaking today. If you're willing to receive it, God's going to take you from that poverty mentality to that royalty mentality. Come on, I know there's more. I know there's more. I know there's more. God's ready to break open in this house. He's ready to take us to a new place as a church. He's ready to lead, He's ready to lead us into the promised land as he led Abraham. But we have to let the old mentalities, we have to let the household of our father's way of thinking, we have to let those things begin to break off. We have to let them begin to break down. I want to ask my leaders to come up to the front and just begin to intercede. I want you to begin to intercede for your brothers. My leaders, I want you to come up. Pastors, come up to the front and I want you to lay hands on your brothers and sisters and you begin to pray. You begin to pray. You see, for me this year, it seemed like it was all financial. We're getting out of debt. You know, we have one more credit card to pay off and then we're done with our consumer debt. We still got loans we'll take care of over the next couple of years, little by little. But we're completely out of credit card debt. Car completely paid off. See, I thought it was financial. But it rocked my spirituality. It matured me as a man. It matured me as a husband. It's producing in me seeds of fatherhood for my future children. See, some of you, you, you just think it's one area of your life, but you don't realize when God breaks this in that one area, it's going to radically transform every area. Come on, I want you to stretch out your hands towards your brothers and sisters. Come on, I want you just to begin to intercede for them, and I want you to begin to intercede for our house. Lord, we just declare right now that you are breaking. You are breaking, God. Today, there is a difference. Right now in the spirit, there is a difference, God. There is a difference, Lord. We're no longer going to see ourselves, Lord God, as one who has to have handouts. We're no longer going to see ourselves, Lord God, as a result of things that have happened, situations that have seemed to determine our lives. God, we declare that we are now going to see ourselves as those seated with you. God, in every area of our life, we will no longer look at ourselves as powerless. We will no longer look at ourselves like that one with the man with one talent. We will no longer bury what you have invested in us, God. We will no longer bury the fruit of the Spirit or bury the gifts of the Spirit. God, we will no longer bury these things, Father. But we're going to release them, Lord. We're going to release the resources of heaven in our city. We're going to release the resources of heaven on our jobs. We're going to release the resources of heaven on our children and our children's children. Father, we just declare that today. We're going to learn to live as royalty, God. And God, I thank you that it's a process that you're moving us into, but it's happened in a moment. You seated us. It's already done. You said it. There's an ED at the end of it. Now you're taking our mind there, God. Now you're taking our thoughts there, God. Somewhere we've never been in ways of thinking that we've never thought. God, you're breaking the old and you're releasing the new, Father. We just declare that over this house. We declare that over this body. Those who are here in the front and those who are in their seats and those who are at home that are a part of this body, we declare that we are living as royalty and we are going to unleash the resources of heaven here on earth, God. In every way. In every way. 
in Jesus' name. If you received that this morning, come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. Amen. Amen. I want to leave you with this. I want to encourage you to go home tonight. And you ask, Father, where am I thinking as a pauper? Let him be real with you. Let him be raw with you. Because it's for you and all those who are far off and all who will call on the name of the Lord our God. What God wants to give you goes far beyond you. And that's what someone of noble, that's how someone of noble birth thinks. They see what has been given to them as an invested privilege that's meant to be used. They carry a sense of ownership and they carry a sense of responsibility even for those who are not at that place in order to help bring them up to that place. And that's what Jesus did. The one who's bringing sons to glory. Amen. 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 Let's do it. We're going there as a body. Come on, give the Lord one more shout of praise. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of the day. And we'll see you next Sunday.